0: hey guys welcome to storehouse media we're so excited to have you joining us this week our heartbeat is biblical doctrine so we are here as a resource to provide the gospel and biblical teaching and how those two things are inseparable join us every week as we tackle different topics regarding faith life and truth and we hope you enjoy this week's episode hey guys welcome to our very first
1: podcast with storehouse media uh, and we are excited about this thing. We've been trying to drop it for a really long time, but really wanting to dream up what this is all about. And so if you haven't heard of Storehouse Media, uh, I just want to inform you a little bit on what it is before we really intro ourselves or anything else. Uh, we really exist more than anything to be a resource, right? Like that's that's our goal, is to be a resource for you individually, but also for the corporate body of the church. Uh, and and our, our mission really is to be... Uh, dropping information on really everything, like so. We're talking about doctrine. We're talking about resources. We're talking about sermons. Like anything we can to help sharpen uh, the fellowship of, of of the of the saints, really. And that so that's kind of our mission here. Um, and so with that, I'm I'm Daniel and and uh, Gamma over here. What's up, guys? Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna dish back and forth today on our first episode that we are definitely pumped about. Uh, in, in what we're, I go, I mean, it's really not a title, I guess, but we're kind of yeah. calling it, uh, the necessity of doctrine or the importance of doctrine. Um, and I guess to start that out before we really start hashing back and forth, I do want to define it really quick. Uh, in order to define it, what I really like to do usually is pull out some Merriam Webster, right? Yeah. Um, so Merriam Webster defines doctrine as this a principle or position or the body of principles in a branch of. Of knowledge or system of belief, right? Yeah, that's a lot, a lot of big words yeah. right there. Yeah, it is. Uh, But if we could state it simply, doctrine really is teaching, right? It, it, it's it's a system of beliefs. Uh, and and when we're talking about Christianity, which is what we stand for, yeah, uh, it, it's what we believe about God and it's what we believe about existence, the purpose of of our very existence, the purpose of the world and the heavens and and The grasshoppers and everything, man, big and small. Yeah, uh, and so essentially it, it comes down into worldview, and in reality, doctrine will affect every area of your life. What you believe about God and what you believe about yourself in existence is going to affect every area of your life, right?
0: Yeah, I think that doctrine is very important and a lot of times overlooked. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of uh, believers are so caught up with the way they feel, the goosebumps they feel, man, worship. Yeah. And at all, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But there is such an emphasis that is needed to be placed on doctrine in the church because that's the way we know. Like, Like you put it here, what we believe about God, we have to know why we believe what we yeah, believe. And so man. I always like to... Compare doctrine to, um, you know, uh, counterfeit money. You know, mm. when when somebody works at a bank, you know, if they don't already know, they're going to learn to distinguish between counterfeit money and real money. Right. And so if you go and you get with somebody that specializes in that, they're not going to spend all of their time trying to figure out all the types of counterfeit money that exist. Yeah. They're not going to spend their time doing that. What they're going to spend their time doing is figuring out how the real one is, mm-hmm. how it looks and how it feels so that when a counterfeit enters or comes in, comes into play, they're like, okay, well I know a true one so well that I know that this is counterfeit. Right. And same with doctrine, when you, Forget about false doctrine all this stuff. When you learn what the true doctrine is, which is the word of God. When somebody comes with a false teaching, when somebody comes with a false doctrine, it's not that you studied so much about it that you know it's false. Is that you know your truth right. so well that yeah. you're like, I know that that's not according to the word of God.
1: Yeah, straight up, man. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I think that's even uh, uh, one of the things. So, so Gamma and I actually met uh previously but we really kicked it off last week for the first time we really sat down and kind of dished back and forth yeah and I think one of the things that that made this work so well is is that we both do have a passion for doctrine and I, I like something you said about like kind of the feelings and goosebumps and stuff yeah. like that and man all that's good right yeah but the the downside comes in and and this is something i don't know uh i'm a big fan of christian hip-hop and shylin is like my boy man i love i've never (laughs) met him but he's my boy um and he's he gives this explanation when it comes to like doxology and theology right like Uh so so your worship and your your knowledge of god yeah uh and he's he you know he's like doxology without theology is idolatry right because you don't you you don't even know who you're really worshiping and and that's the the hard part when we when we function in worship or when we function in anything, or even like, you know, I work in youth ministry and and I deal with a lot of students that their biggest thing is but I feel and I felt and yeah. I prayed and I had this feeling of and I'm yeah. like, Well, your feelings are fine, right? Like, but if your feelings aren't aligning with what scripture clearly teaches is truth, yeah. then your feelings don't matter. Yeah, I agree. And so I mean they matter but they need to be put to death right yeah. like this uh,
0: yeah and then like like you were saying like when you have a lot of i'd say worship mm-hmm. and not a lot of theology it's very easy to step out of bounds in a worship sure. you begin to do do say and act and think do things right that are out of bounds of, of the word because Worship can really get your your feelings going. Mm-hmm. You know, I know I, I'm a, I'm a worship leader, and so there are moments I'm like, man, like this is feeling great. I love worshiping God through music because music feels great. Yeah. But my theology helps me stay in line of what true worship sure. is. And when you don't have that, you step out out of line, and you're like, you're doing things that aren't a, a, according to the Word of God. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's important to have both. And then I know people that have a lot of theology, but just. Yeah. A rock side that of worship. Is, like, no, yeah. worship is yeah. to move. You know, yeah. I think there's a good balance between there has to be. both. There's a good there balance. Has to be. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I agree, man. That's and I think even to know proper theology and to experience proper theology yeah. right, will produce the realest and most heartfelt worship yeah. that can exist because yeah. you're getting the bigness and the greatness and the glory of God which excites our our hearts and our souls you yeah
0: know? and within worship there are restrictions but there's also so much freedom mm-hmm. with worship and when you know both very well you know the restrictions like okay you know sh- while worshiping shouldn't do this or say this but with the f- it, gives, it puts your focus on the freedom that we have as worshipers right. and it just helps you connect with God in such a, a beautiful way
1: yeah yeah man I agree. So, doctrine. Right. Doctrine. Which brings us to theology and there's doctrines of worship. Yeah. And there's all that stuff is in there, man. So doctrine's beautiful. And just so you guys know, uh, this is our first podcast because doctrine is going to be our primary focus, man. Yeah. Everything that we offer on here, we want to have it in line with what scripture very clearly teaches. And yeah. so uh that's our heart. And so I guess um, man, if we could we can go ahead and kick this thing off and and in order to start it out what we want to kind of hash back and forth and talk about is, is, uh, doctrine in the midst of our current culture, right? Like yeah. what is, what is our culture right now? Think about doctrine and, 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 you know, primarily man inside of the so-called church, people who are calling themselves Christians, uh, how they're feeling about doctrine. Yeah. Um, and so we really, you know, we wrote down a few examples, but I think the first one is, uh, when you get into groups and, and churches and congregations and, and, um, denominations even yeah. that, that find more of their, uh, I guess their foundation based on miracles and signs. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Like, and like you said earlier, when we were talking, yeah. it's not that those things don't exist and yeah. it's not even argue whether they exist or not. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, personally, I believe that they still do, you yeah. know, and, and, uh, but man, I've been caught up in in places, you know, early in my walk before I knew scripture. I was caught up in places that demanded miracles. And if you didn't have miracles, like I was I was told literally to this degree. This is what they told me. Uh they said that there were some people up in Oklahoma that that were believing God so much that they were putting their their water hose in their gas tank and it was converting into gas because they were believing God for it. And then they told us that God was commanding that if we didn't believe those same miracles every day, then we weren't believing God.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: and it's like – and at the time, being an ignorant Christian and not knowing truth, I'm freaking out because I'm literally like, man, I don't know that I can – I don't want to put a water hose on my gas thing. That freaks me out, man. Yeah. But they were – man, they were on it. and. You know what do you do with that? I know, you know? and
0: it reminds me of a, a church a while ago. I know this is very, very uh, well known, but a church in California mm. that you know stated that you needed so much faith that you could handle snakes, just as scripture says. Right. And so they handled venomous snakes. I don't know exactly which snake it is. There's probably gonna be someone listening that is yeah. specializes in snakes, so I right. don't wanna <laughs> I don't wanna do that. But you know, they handled venomous snakes and they got bit and they died. What? Yeah, they got bit and they died, and so I think it was a very, very um charismatic church of course, yeah, and so yeah. they use i think it's mark 16 where it mm. says that these signs will follow believers and you know it was the the miracle of being able to handle those snakes and that it won't bite you and yeah. so a church tried it and then those snakes bit and killed so many people and th- so they were claiming that if you did get bit and you did die that you didn't have enough faith man and so i'm like no actually it's just because by it's nature it's a poisonous, snake, it's right? a poisonous it's yeah. A, yeah it's a venomous snake and so uh, i think it's crazy and, yeah. and when thing it when you set your foundation and your doctrine on miracles, it's really hard to argue with someone that does put their foundation and their, um, their, their doctrine on miracles because you can't have a genuine conversation with them because then it's like, well, you just don't have enough faith. Right. And when you, when they say that, it's like, okay, well then there's no point. There's no way we can circle around and get you to understand because I just don't have enough faith. Well, you you
1: know, one of the most bizarre things and American gospel mentioned this really well when they were talking about, uh, you know, leaning on miracles and depending on miracles. And they had, they had, uh, they mentioned Bethel, yeah. you know? And, and this guy was like, why is Bill Johnson talking so much about healing people's sight while he's wearing glasses? You know, and I think that's yeah. one of the things when you get into the conversation with people who, who fixate themselves so much on miracles and having enough faith yeah. is like, well, then, you know, what about when you're sick? What about when you ache? What about your glasses? What about your back problem? What about your hearing? You know, like, what about all those things and why isn't it gone?
0: Yeah. You know? And the word says like. Humanity is subject to corruption. Sure, man. We're subject to it.
1: Until the return? Until the return? Yeah. We
0: we have to go through the same pains. Christians get cancer just as much as non-Christians get
1: cancer. Nabeel Qureshi, man. You know, that was tragic, but... Mm -hmm. He glorified God all the way through and, and yeah. praise God for that. Yeah. But, you know, even like you mentioned the snake biting thing. And I think about, you know, the end of acts when, yeah. when Paul's on the Island shipwrecked, Yeah. he gets bit by the Viper and everybody freaks out thinking he's going to die. And he doesn't. Yeah. Right. He's like, man, eh, kind of tosses the snake off to the side and people are like, uh. <laughs> and, but here's the thing you could say, well, see, there's, there's the, you know, yeah, it, you should be able to, too. Well, then why didn't the axe blade bend when it was chopping his head off?
0: Yeah. Right? Why yeah. couldn't
1: faith stop that? Yeah. And so the point is, man, your faith does not override God's will.
0: Exactly. And so that's, that's it, yep. That's
1: the the reality of it. And so it's again, I'm not personally, I'm not against miracles and signs, but yeah, I am very are. against people who depend yeah. on only miracles and signs. And uh this I got a very short story. Um, and that'll bring us into this next point, man. I remember one time on Facebook, this guy that I'd looked up to a lot until I started reading scripture. Yeah. Um, he had posted, um, that he was at a concert and prayed for somebody and they were healed. And he said, if miracles aren't following your ministry, then you're not following Jesus. Mm. And I looked, you know, I clicked on it and all these people are posting like, ouch, oh, sharp sword. You know, they're like praising him for this word. And I just, I posted on it and I said, well, you know, Jesus said that they'll know us by our love, not our miracles. Yeah. Right? And so um I think that's one of the big things too is like knowing scripture well enough to know that Yeah. you d- you doesn't have to be by miracles, you yeah. know. Uh but that does bring us into our next point, which is love and acceptance, right? Yep. And and that in our culture the dilemma with doctrine is that it divides.
0: Yeah. And it does, right? It does. That's
1: what truth Truth has to stand in opposition to anything contrary to yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. That's the definition of truth.
0: Yeah, the Word of God says that Jesus didn't come to bring peace to the earth, but he came as a sword. Straight and what does up. a sword do? It divides whatever yeah. it's in its way. Yeah. Jesus came to set apart what is true, who are Christians, Bible-following, God-fearing Christians, yeah. and anything else. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. And so, and, and, and that's, you know, when we get into that place of love, 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 and you yeah. know that's the big push today is love. yeah, uh, and and you know, one of the passages came that I, I thought of as we were you know kind of prepping Philippians 1 nine Paul Paul talks about love, yeah, and he says, uh and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. So Paul yeah. wants their love to yes. abound more and more. But then he says, uh, with knowledge and all discernment. Well, what is yeah. knowledge, right? Like not to to grow in the knowledge of who God is of, yeah. of what He loves what He hates yeah all those various things and so yeah man love let love abound more and more and yeah. more toward God and toward man but you better be abounding in knowledge as well yeah you know and so um the the just love and accept culture doesn't really work
0: and I think that. Love and acceptance don't always need to go together, and people always associate it to be the same thing right. love and acceptance. But love is even like loving someone, lo- loving another believer. Even if you disagree mm-hmm. on something, you know, the Bible is unclear in certain areas, and that's where personal conviction comes in. Are you still willing to love a believer who's still following doctrine, but just disagrees with you in certain, certain right. areas? You know, the right. word God said, it's so easy. It's so easy to love people that treat you good. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to do that. What would be the value? And that what would be so great about loving someone who treats you good. It's most notable when you love someone who treats you bad. You know what I mean? And what we try to do is with this whole topic of love, because. Christianity is about love. Yeah. But if it gets in the way, if acceptance gets in the way, if people pleasing gets in the way, mm. then it's not true love. Right. It's a certain aspect of love. Like we need to be okay with not being on everybody's good sides. Yeah. Jesus came for one purpose was to show love and the world hated him. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so most I think loving person the ever most exists, loving man. person ever and the world hated him. Yeah. And so I think we got to be okay with not being people pleasing. Yeah. I think that's what love and acceptance sort of mentality, sort of, you know, foundation leads you to do is to want to please people. And mm-hmm. pastors, teachers, any leaders that are too caught up on love and acceptance, then lack a lot of doctrine a lot of teachings like they'll they won't teach about sin and right. the consequences of sin because right. i love my congregation i want them to accept i want them to stay here so i'm not going to make say something that makes people feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. you know what i mean they won't talk about condemnation they won't talk about being slaves to sin or any of that right and so but true love is mentioning those things i, I have right here galatians 110 it says obviously i'm not trying to win the approval of people but of god if pleasing people were my goal i would not be christ You know, and so if we get caught in a place and I'm guilty of that, I, a few years ago, I was found in a place where I just wanted to please people. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn the very hard way that that's not what Christianity is about. And, and you know, for you guys too. And for us, if you're trying to please people, it says right here, don't consider yourself Christ servant. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know, if you really think about the concept of people pleasing, you're avoiding offense in order to be accepted. And so if you really think about that, like that isn't love toward anyone except yourself. Yeah. Right. You're, you want to avoid anything awkward for yourself in order to, to be accepted. But in reality, like, like you know if we're if we're out here prepping and getting ready for this thing and my zipper's down the whole time and y'all see it and don't tell me and now I'm on camera you know what I'm saying and people are seeing me in my nah, zipper I'm just check. looking like a, yeah <laughs> right <laughs> I'm just looking like a fool because yeah. y'all wanted to avoid an awkward situation right yeah. and so like then who do you love do you love you or do you love me mm, right that's a good example yeah and so yeah. um you know that's the thing, and but but that's also where you have to know truth, right? Yeah. It is socially unacceptable to be on a on a live podcast with my zipper down, yeah. And and we know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so if we know biblical truth, and we see people living in error, yes. you're not loving them by by letting them stay in sin, yeah, right? Yep, exactly. So yeah, love and acceptance, man. That's that's one of the things that we're seeing in our culture. That's that's wanting to kick the boot to doctrine. And this next one. Man, and this is like, like, I'm going to be honest, this is the one that probably makes me kind of the most like, oh, like yeah, I get a little um, angry about it is uh, deconstruction and progressivism, you yeah. know? Um, so explain that. Uh, so so essentially, I guess if I could put it in the best definition as far yeah. as I understand it, feel free to add in. Yeah, Deconstructionism is this idea that. Modern people are looking at scripture and they're starting to go, well, you know what, man, this is a little extreme and I don't think that needs to count. I don't, you know, that I I don't think that's really what they meant. Yeah. And and uh, what they're doing is 2,000 years later, looking at a book and going, I think they've just misunderstood it for 2,000 years or that just doesn't really fit in with our culture anymore. Yeah. And so we need to, we need to boot that and rebuild.
0: So in, in a sense that... Christianity is progressing, which Correct. is the next one. Progr- yeah. Progressive yeah. Christianity, yeah. progressivism. yeah. And so like, like, you, like you were saying, deconstruction is basically uh, being skeptic about everything that mm-hmm. is written in the Word of God and to have the mentality that we have had it wrong for 2,000 right. years.
1: And the worst part about it is in deconstructionism, this is where I get angry about it, right? Yeah. Is I'm going, do you really think... That your logic and reasoning is so infallible, yeah, right, that you get to be the pinnacle of what's true and what's not, yeah, right. Like, I'm not going, No, I know what's true, I'm saying this book does, and you know, part of the dilemma with it, I don't always agree with this book, yeah, but I submit to it, you know what I mean? There's areas in this thing that confront me so hardcore and I don't like it, yeah, and yet I know that it's true, and so that's where repentance comes in, but yeah, man the whole deconstruction movement and progressive movement it's so aggravating to me because scripture is so clear about what it says and even in progressive movement right like in hebrews it says that jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forever yep and so i don't understand how we're gonna go well yeah but it's the 21st century yeah and
0: you know what's crazy is that you know we know god does not change but people change Mm -hmm. but god does not change according to people nor does his word we're 2000 years in and so many things apply to our lives as sure. if they were written just a yeah. couple of years ago, can, a couple of months ago.
1: You know, it's funny with that too. I talk to people all the time, and I go, "Listen, I will. I bet money I can define every problem. I can explain every issue in your life by going to Genesis, Genesis right? three, right? Beginning of the Bible. Yeah. And I bet I can. I can bring it back every single issue you're having and every struggle you're having. We can find it in Genesis chapter three. Yeah. You know, and
0: however many millennia ago you know yeah and the thing is is if you're not grounded on 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 the doc, on right doctrine right mm-hmm. cuz i think it'd be a little too broad to say just doctrine right the correct doctrine the sure. word of god right um, if you're not grounded, that you'll fall for anything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, I know that there is uh, New Age Christianity, which mm-hmm. is, should not Man. be called New Christianity. Yeah. And I don't know, well, you may know his name, but this really well known guy that always wears a like, sort of like robe or scarf. Oh, is that uh, Richard Roar? Roar? I'm not sure. He's I Honestly, if you did say his name, I could not remember. Big with like
1: Oprah Winfrey and all that? I don't know.
0: I don't think so. This guy looks. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. But, anyways, he takes scripture. And just completely like misinterprets it and teaches it to a huge mm-hmm. crowd. And I, I, I always wonder, like, how are you going to like confuse or like how are you going to, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, deceive. Distort, so distort, yeah. yeah. Yeah, how are you going to distort and deceive so many people? And the, the, the answer to that is that so many people don't go to the Word of God. I'm going to mention yeah. an example. You know, one of his sermons, uh, I was actually not on YouTube listening to his sermons. I was listening to a podcast who criticized his sermons. So uh-huh. one of them, uh, this, same, this guy said that, Uh, Whenever we know the story of Jesus rising up uh, Lazarus from the dead, and whenever he rose him up from the dead, he said, Lazarus, come out. Well, he said what Jesus meant by that was for Lazarus to come out as homosexual, like come out, like come out of the closet. And so and had everybody believing that everybody.
1: You know, the worst part is that's probably the same group of people who would say that homosexuality isn't actually a word in the Greek or mentioned in the Bible. You know, and it's like, well, then why is it going to mean something there? You know what I mean? Like the logic is so contradictory. I can't, it is on, on that note with the new age and the distortion and all that stuff, man, I had a, uh, when I was in that, the, the cult I mentioned earlier, um, and I'd shared this with you before, you know, the, the house leader had mentioned that he had a vision one time, uh, of this diamond, this giant diamond and a light came down on the top of it. And then these millions of facets of light came out of that diamond and that God was telling him that, every one verse in scripture has that many different meanings, almost endless meanings, oh right? Gosh. That you could ultimately make it mean whatever you want. Wow. And I remember uh, after coming out of that and, and getting back in the scripture, and I remember coming across second Corinthians one thirteen, or I'm sorry, one 12. Mm-hmm. No, where is it? I just saw it too. Oh, one thirteen, Yeah uh, for we are not writing to you anything other than what you read and understand. Right. And Mm -hmm. I hope you understand it fully. That's what he said. In other words, this isn't, this isn't meant for a thousand different meanings. This is meant for one meaning. It's what we write. It's what we say. And sure there's, there's genres to the Bible. You know, you got your apocalyptic literature, your poetry and all those various things, but that doesn't mean that you can take Daniel chapter 12 and interpret it 46,000 different ways. Yeah. It means what it means. Yeah. Right.
0: And there will be people that go and overly symbolize everything. And mm-hmm. so a, a direct command from God, they'll be like, well, that's just symbolic. Right. You know what I mean? And right. so when they come out with that, it's like, okay, well then. You get to choose what's symbolic or not. Like you get to choose that. Exactly.
1: And that's a conversation I've had with people several times where they go, well, I don't believe the whole Bible. And I go, what parts do you believe? Right. Yeah. And I'm leading them. I'm funneling them down, right? I'm trapping them. Uh, But I'm basically getting to the point to realize ultimately what you're saying is you're going to believe what you like and you're going to, you're going to discredit what you don't like. Yeah. And so where's objective truth in that everything to you is subjective. And so, there are even people that
0: say, well, if Jesus didn't say it, then I, I don't have right. to follow it. Right, right. And man. Paul, we know Paul wrote like 13 books of the Bible. What Paul yep. said, it you know, he was a single man. He had anger issues. He was very sexist. He yep. was very homophobic. It's like, you no, know, you have to understand that every word that is written on here, no matter the author, is mm. God-breathed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: absolutely, man. And so I, that, but that brings us in, right? Like. The culture we're in, and it's not like this is new, you know, that's the funniest part to me is that people are like, we just, we're progressive. We're the 21st century. I'm like, man, go to, you know, go to the gospel of John when Pontius looks at Jesus and says, what is truth, right? We're pluralistic back then. This is nothing new. You know, we just like to feed people that we're new thinkers. We're not. There's no new thought, you know? Um, and yet we use the same old tactics in order to try and deny the truth. And, mm-hmm. and you know, what's hardest about it, uh, you know, we were talking earlier, Romans one's like my favorite chapter in the Bible, man, Romans one 18, it says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress what the yeah. truth, Yep. right by their unrighteousness. They're pushing down and bending and suppressing the truth. They're reshaping God into their own image. They're doing all these various things. And it's toward them that
0: the wrath of God is revealed, right, from heaven. Yeah. and I think to go off of that, you know, if you go on to 24, it says, therefore God gave them up mm. in the lust of their hearts into impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they've exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Yeah. And so, you know, I was having a Bible study the other day and we were talking about Romans Romans 1 and I like somebody that was listening. They kind of had some input and he's like, hey, so like basically you're saying God's going to give you what you want i'm like well what do you mean by that he's like if you want the truth god's gonna give you more of it and if you want to exchange the truth for a lie god's gonna abandon you to it he will let you decide what you want to do and so if you willingly decide to ignore whatever the word of god says right when you make that decision to ignore the word of god exchange it for a lie god will abandon he's like do it go ahead yeah do it yeah god's not over here begging man you know god already met us halfway yeah on the cross god yeah. met us halfway on the cross he's not begging hey please like come on mm-hmm. he did enough yeah. more than enough yeah for us to be able to be reconciled with him yeah you know what yeah. i mean
1: man straight up yeah so with that said uh let's start so since we're we're talking about the importance of doctrine right yeah so let's start nailing down uh, why doctrine is important right okay, so yeah. the first thing we want to look at is the biblical demand yeah. for doctrine um, and so, uh, Mark chapter one, and this is, man, this was, this was probably the moment for mm-hmm. me, right. When I came across it and I've read Mark probably read it a billion times before and just didn't realize it yeah a billion's an exaggeration. Uh, but when it dawned on me what Jesus is saying and, and to set the context, he had just spent an entire night healing and yeah. casting out demons and yeah. doing all these miracles, right? Like he's doing things that are insane that people hadn't seen since, since you know Elijah, yeah. you since know. T- yep. Yeah. And so you've got you've got this this moment, and and everyone falls asleep because it's it's probably five a.m., you know. Yeah. Uh But then you get into Mark one, so starting in verse thirty-five, it says, "In rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he, being Jesus." Uh, he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. And Simon, who we also know as Peter, yeah. and Simon and those who were with him searched for him and they found him and said to him, Everyone's looking for you. Yeah. Right. So in that moment, Peter and the disciples are going, Hey man, we got a healing ministry going we, over here. We got a show. Come right, on, let's come go. On, let's get them back over <laughs> here, man. People are coming everywhere <laughs> to see us. And and then it says this. And he, Jesus, said to them. Let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I, I came out, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm performing miracles, and yeah, that's great because we're showing right? Yeah. We're showing the love of God, the power of God, the deliverance of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God. but do not forget that I came here primarily to teach and preach about the kingdom of God.
0: yeah, what was that what was back then a mystery of the of heavens? Mm. God has Jesus has revealed yep. to us word for word, yeah. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, man. And that that in and of itself, man, just that being said should be enough incentive for every hearer and watcher to to stop and go, man, I just need to get soaked in the Gospels. Yeah. You know what I mean? Get soaked in the words of Christ. Not that they're before all Scripture yeah. is God-breathed, you know, yeah. and, and Christ is God. But that's one, and, and just a side note, man, I'd done some math about a year or two ago, um, and I realized that it, in all four Gospels, If you read three chapters a day, you'll read all four gospels in one month. And then if you just start back over after a month in 12, in 12 months, in one year, you could have read all four gospels 12 times. Imagine how saturated you'd be in the words of Christ in, in one year, in a year, a year, that's it. Yeah. You know, and 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 the funnier thing is throughout the Gospels, man, Jesus is expounding on and showing the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Yeah. Right. And so then you go back to the Old Testament, and you really start to read and review that, man. It's it's unreal how we we overcomplicate learning Scripture. Yeah. When in reality, man, it's it's uh, it's simple steps.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it comes down to submitting to to wanting and and wanting. Mm. You know. To understand the word of God, uh, I remember whenever Jesus was saying a parable, his disciples came. Hey, we don't understand that. Explain yeah. it to us. He's like, how can how can it be? You know, I'm saying it with plainly. You know mm. what I mean? You know the word of God says that God's wisdom is infinite. It yeah. is beyond our understanding. He dumbed it down for us. Yeah. He dumbed it down. It's literally right here. Yeah. Take it like, it is literal. Mm-hmm. You know the word of God. The words of God are literal. Yes. You know we were talking earlier. Um, you know some things are symbolic revelation is full of symbolism sure. right why why because it's a prophecy it's mm-hmm. not jesus preaching and teaching but take everything that's in the gospels as literal those are the yeah. commands of jesus christ yeah. and it's about wanting it yeah it's really about it is. Wanting it, it is
1: well and that's so there's an example uh that i use with the youth ministry a lot uh-huh. and it's it's uh so i, I kind of paint this picture and i say so imagine for a second right that you know, at school there's this girl that you have this hardcore crush on, right? Like yeah. she's your dream girl, man. She's everything for you. She would give you popularity. She would give you significant you know she'd give you all this if you just had this girl. Uh-huh. And she comes up to you one Friday at school and she she says, Hey, uh, you know, I, I I'm having a party tonight. And I want you to come over and I want you to be my date, my guest of honor. I want everyone there to see me with you, right? Yeah. And you're pumped. You're like, oh my gosh, this <laughs> is the moment, right? And then she hands you this letter and she's like, this is the directions. And she walks off and you open that letter and it's just this weird, symbol, symbolic, maybe kind of gibberish you don't understand it. Yeah. Like, would you chunk the letter and be like, oh, well. No, bro, you're going to be going to her friends. You're going to be like anything you can to figure out the directions this party, because that's everything you want. Right. The problem isn't that we don't understand the word of God. The problem is that we don't care. Yeah. We don't want to understand We don't want to understand. understand. And so we just, eh, you know, shove it off. Yeah. But we don't find it as important, you know, and that goes to what we were talking about earlier Romans one. Why? Because we don't know God.
0: And I think that it's nothing new that people desire the tangible, the physical, and the visible. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, You know, today, you know, we already mentioned Bethel Church. Their church is filled their building i'd say is filled mm-hmm. why because people want to see the miracles people want to yeah. see it why and that's nothing new i mean when jesus uh did the miracle of the the bread and the fish you know the people wanted jesus to say why because he had just performed a miracle jesus said no i'm going yeah. it's time to go yeah you know not even jesus came to glorify you know jesus said Countless times, i came to glorify the father yeah you know he didn't come say hey i'm getting really well known in fact he went on to do what would later make him hated mm-hmm. for. Absolutely. He could have been the most loved person if he just healed the whole world, yeah. did signs and miracles, but he gave us, what's the word for it? Convicting teachings. Yeah, very. Hard to accept teachings. To the point and where he,
1: was, he talked to people and said, you brood a viper, you hypocrite, yeah. right? Like he called people out
0: on their he sin. He really did. Man. Yeah. And he was willing to be hated for the truth. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like we, that goes back to acceptance, love and yeah. acceptance. We're willing to, um, trade truth for love and acceptance. Yeah, yeah, one hundred
1: percent. And so, man, Jesus came to preach. He, he came, came to, to teach that and to it. share truth. And and you see, uh, there's also a commandment uh, to leaders and teachers and elders in the church as well as Paul's writing to Timothy, First Timothy chapter four, verse sixteen. Uh, Paul tells Timothy, keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching yep. or your doctrine as some. Uh, translations would put it right, yeah. Paul man, Paul urges him and warns him to watch closely your doctrine, yeah. Um, and going, you know, with Jesus, right? Uh, speaking of, yeah. you know, listen to what Jesus says, Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 15 and 16. Beware of false teachers who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves you will recognize them by their fruit. Yeah. Jesus himself says, listen to me, there are going to be false teachers, wolves in sheep's clothing coming along and yeah. all they want to do is devour you. Yeah. But they're going to they're going to blend themselves in. They're going to they're going to seem to fit, but you'll recognize them by their fruit. You'll yeah. recognize them by their teaching, by their lifestyle, by yeah. all these various things. And so Jesus himself is concerned for us learning truth. Beware of false teachers. Yeah. Right? He doesn't say false miracle workers. He doesn't beware of yeah. false teachers. False teachers. Mm.
0: And um I was gonna say something about that. You can go on if I remember. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, go on.
1: All right, I'll read uh Romans sixteen, seventeen also. Uh, Paul as he's clo- closing up his letter to the Roman church. And just a reminder yeah. at this point, man, Paul had yet to visit Rome. Yeah. Right. And so in Romans, you've got 16 chapters of some of the most widespread systematic theology in one yeah. book of the Bible. And Paul tells him at the end of the book, he says, I appeal to you brothers to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught avoid them. Yeah. Right? And that's one of the biggest problems is people are like, and I talk to people all the time, they're like, "Oh yeah, but I just really love this about Bethel and I love this." And I'm like, "Man, but if they're teaching false doctrine." Yeah. Paul says, "Avoid them, abstain from them, push yeah. that stuff away, don't get it in." Why? Because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Yeah. Right?
0: Man. And, and you know, there's such a responsibility above the commitment, there's a responsibility for those who are teachers, mm. for those who are ministers, for those who are pastors. Um, you know James, uh, I forget which chapter it is. It's either one or ch- either it's either chapter one or chapter four, but it says that not all should be teachers for they would be judged more um, strictly, uh, strictly yeah judged more strictly. and so not everybody should be teachers and it just there is a big consequence huge consequence to those who deliberately willingly and knowingly are deceiving oh man you know what i mean yeah. i mean the word of god says that if you cause one of my little ones to stumble it is better for you to tie a rope to your neck onto a millstone, a millstone and be throw yourself the sea. and be cast into the sea yeah it says it's better for you to do that that's the worst way you could yeah. die or man, suffer no joke it says it is better for you to do that than what god is going to do to you yeah and there's just not that fear in a lot of people yeah. people willingly enjoy and you know what the root of all it is? It's money. Yeah. It's really it that's is. really what it is. Money
1: and fame. And that's and that's even for me, you know, early in youth ministry when the crowd started growing big, you know, it was like, well, I must be doing something right. Yeah. You know, you think God's blessing your work. But then you have to visit back to what did God tell Isaiah? You know, I in the famous chapter six, when yeah. God calls, you know, who shall we send? Isaiah says, Here I am, send me following that is basically what we would consider to be the biggest failure in ministry humanly possible yeah and yet he was doing the lord's work as a prophet yeah jesus himself only had 120 in the end yeah. only 12 that were really like yeah. hardcore inside and so yeah. You can't you can't base it on numbers you know you can't mm. base it on the fact that people are clapping and applauding I, I get it yeah. I, I've been there I've been there where people are clapping and applauding Me and then you too. go how do you get them to clap and applaud next time yes. right yeah and it's man it's a it's a slippery slope it really like, is I feel
0: like any teacher any leader it's tempted at one point to look at the numbers sure to look at the applause and it comes down to like you said revisiting I'd say even revisiting humility saying hey well this is all happening. Not because of me but because of god yeah you know it's the humility saying i'm only a vessel a -hmm. vessel cannot be of any use unless someone is using it yeah uh god said called paul a chosen instrument and i like to refer to myself as a chosen instrument and the thing about it is i always say this example i always say this example let's say we had a guitar right here and i asked you daniel i said will this guitar play anything if i don't play it like if it's just sitting there will it will it make a sound the answer is no, yeah. because it's only an instrument, right. and no one's using it. That's good, man. We are yeah. only instruments. If God isn't the one using us, we're doing we're nothing. nothing. We're only the vine, and God is the branch. Or mm-hmm. did I mix that up? Backwards, yeah. Backwards, yeah. yeah. He's live, the vine, yeah. we're the branch, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, mixed that. I knew I mixed that yeah. up. We are absolutely nothing with him. And yes, God will bless your ministry. God will bring people to come and listen. If you are truly devoted to God and his doctrine, his word, God wants to bring people sure, to where that sure, is, man. but you always got to revisit humility say, yeah. hey, this is God, not me. Yeah.
1: When I think about like one of my favorite preachers of all time was Charles Spurgeon mm-hmm. and Spurgeon, man, you know, back then they didn't have, uh, you know, media outlets like we have now, but they yeah. had to write laws in all the surrounding areas to England saying you can't impersonate Charles Spurgeon. He was mm. so famous in the 19th century. Uh, but he was also, you know, he's considered the Prince of preachers Man, that dude, if you listen to his stuff or read his stuff, he preached some hard truth, man. It was, but, but in that time, God raised him up as an instrument. Right. And God called a lot of people into repentance through that guy. And so I agree, man, God will bring people around when you're preaching the truth because God wants people saved. Right. That's his will. That's his will. And so. Uh, so bringing us to our next point, uh, is the command not only to possess doctrine appropriately, good, true doctrine, but also to teach it and to teach it regularly. Uh, Joshua chapter one, verse eight, this is where it's more for us personally, right? That we should possess it. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may do according to all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success right yeah. but where does that start it starts with the book of the law yeah the book of instruction right that's torah torah means law it means instruction yeah. um and even if you think of psalm 1 1 through 3 right yeah. like the blessed man is the one who who delights in the law of the lord and meditates on it day and night yeah and so that truth man we have to have that
0: truth we have to and i think that um for anybody out there you know listening that is a teacher is a pastor is a minister meditating on the word day and night isn't you preparing a sermon or preparing Mm -hmm. a teaching that is completely independent and separate you know Mm -hmm. because i feel like a lot of us have have gone through the part where like oh well you know i spent today you know preparing for this lesson i should be good yeah but that individual one-on-one meditation of the word is necessary no matter what you're doing outside yeah it's like a personal relationship you know with with god you know, let's say, for example, I go, um, let's say, in an instance where I'm married, right? Mm. And I'm with my wife. And I'm just going out there and I'm just talking about the, you know, I'm just talking about my wife. She's amazing. She does re- very well around the house. She has a good paying job. She helps with the kids and stuff like that. And I go home. I just spend so much time talking good about her. But I spend home and I ignore her. Yeah. I don't talk watch to her. Watch TV. Yeah, yeah, I watch TV. She comes, wants to spend time with me. No, you go away. I had a long day. Yep. And then I use... The excuse, like don't even don't even come at me about like not loving you or anything like that because I just got done talking about right, you. That's man. what we do with God. We're yeah. like, oh, I'm teaching, you know. No, it's about to have that one on one personal yeah. relationship. I would say that no, i don't even have to say it. I think it should be known that a one on one personal relationship with God is a is prior to teaching, mm-hmm. to to giving sermons, to giving anything. You know what yeah. I
1: mean? Well and that's even like from a from a standpoint of ministry, man, you're gonna exhaust yourself, you're gonna put all the all the strength on yourself, all the burden on yourself, if you're not first knowing yeah. Jesus Christ. And J.I. Packer, man, he said it well. He said that, and this is paraphrased, yeah. but he essentially said that um, that once we realize that the reason for our existence is to know God, yeah. all other things fall into place, right? Yeah. That we are just to know Him. Yeah. And then from that knowledge of Him flows everything else. Yeah. And so, man, that's a... and. I even think to a degree, going off what you're saying, man, in Psalm 1, 1 through 3, primarily verse 2, Mm -hmm. he doesn't just say that the blessed man meditates on the law, Lord, but first he he but he delights in it. Right? He delights, man do we delight in god's truth do we delight in god himself yeah right he is the word he is the logos and yeah. so do we delight in him that's an important question to ask because if we don't delight in him then the fear is he's nothing more than words on a page to us He's yeah. just concepts and equations yeah and so i agree more than anything man is that that personal relationship that time spent that time in prayer that time on uh uh paul washer he's a i love that guy man he's fantastic yeah um fantastic preacher um i remember one time listening to him he was teaching on prayer and he was saying he said man so many of you guys you burn out on on your prayer life because you think prayer is all about um you know saying the right thing or praying for these people or doing yeah. that he said he said let me give you an example and so and you know i'm not married but yeah. but he's married and so he said a lot of evenings when i get home i will uh, I'll lay in on the back porch. They have a screened-in back porch. Said we lay in the back porch in a hammock. Yeah, me and my wife, and we don't talk. He said hours. Yeah, she just lays there with her head on my chest, hearing my heartbeat. He said, "If you only understood that majority of your prayer life is you just listening to the heartbeat of God, wow. right? Like, man, how intimate is it's,
0: that? It's it's about being real, mm-hmm. organic, authentic. All these words that are becoming watered down, right? You know what I mean by by society. It's about being real with God. So, m- most of my prayer life is a conversation. Mm-hmm. It's not saying the right things, using the right words. The big, I'm not yeah. I'm not necessarily concerned for that. I'm like God." Here I am, you know what I mean? And so I think that, you know, going back to doctrine and possessing doctrine, just like here, I don't think anyone, and, you know, there are people that do. I'm not saying that this is the case for everybody, but I don't, I think a majority of the people that love doctrine didn't fall in love with doctrine because they initially wanted to. Mm -hmm. I think they just spent so much time in the Word of God that they just fell in love with, dude, this is the Word of God, and people got it wrong. You know what I mean? Like, I am, you know, Daniel mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that we're passionate about doctrine, I never decided in my life, I want to one day be passionate about doctrine, no. Right.
1: I've never even read a systematic theology to learn doctrine. Yeah,
0: I know, neither have yeah. I. I just meditate on the word of God so mm. much that you just have a love yeah. for what he said and for the way he has placed things in, in our life today. Yeah.
1: And you know, a lot of it for me was reading scripture and then listening to men who were far wiser and more well-versed than me yeah. in scripture. And then they taught doctrine and I went, yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, I just read that. I just <laughs> saw that. And I get excited about it.
0: You know, um, one thing that for me, one thing that used to get me excited is I used to read the word. I never had, I've never had like, you know, a systematic doctrine sort of schooling or teaching yet. I want to one day, but I would read things. And I'm like, man, I never knew that. And so I started putting puzzle pieces together. Like, this is the way the word of God works. And I would listen to a sermon and they said just that. And I'm like, it's Man, so cool. Yeah. Like, this is awesome. And yeah. that's just confirmation that God wants you going in that direction. Yeah. You know, it, it's God wanting you to go in that direction. And it starts off with just meditating on the word of God. You know, you don't mm-hmm. have to be smart. Right. You don't. God chose fishermen. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be perfect. God chose Paul. Yeah. You don't have to be bold. God chose Moses. Right. You just have to be willing. Yeah. You just have to yeah. be willing. God you will just, use you.
1: Oh, and that's even when you think about it. Uh, I remember hearing a, a pastor teach on this one time he was saying, if you look at the end of the gospel of John, right? Yeah. Uh, Jesus is sitting with Peter and the rest of the disciples and you know, Peter just denied him three times. And mm-hmm. then Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? Yeah. And then he says, then feed my sheep after each time. G- yeah. You know, Peter says, I do love you. He says, then feed my sheep. So what's the qualifying marker to yeah. feed the sheep? To feed the do sheep. you love him? Yeah. Right. Do you love him? Yeah. And if you do, then, then feed the sheep yeah. right like that's the whole idea
0: and now that you bring that up i kind of want to extend that analogy i kind of think of that as like, okay well, when you feed someone or something right as sheep but think about it as people as well when you're feeding because ultimately sheep are people we are mm. we are we are god's sheep when we're feeding right you got to give the nutritious stuff yeah you know oh, what i mean man. you got to give yeah. that nutritious that rich, stuff that and rich, what what is theology. it is the word of god you yeah. know as the word of god says that he is the bread of life that his words are the bread of life that is what is our bread you don't just feed a toddler just candy yeah. it's good to give him candy here and then and i feel like candy is the miracles mm-hmm. i feel like candy is the love the acceptance i feel like that but if you just feed that and feed that feed, is that is that person going to grow up to be right, very healthy right you know no you got to give them that bread that rich stuff that man, rich that good stuff, stuff and that is yeah. the word of god and yeah. it's okay here and there to get that candy get that other stuff because yeah. god works in those ways too
1: man i got a friend uh alex foley he'll be oh. he'll be listening to this i know it yeah uh but dude weeds Israel met him uh Israel's our camera guy and tech shout guy i don't know what i don't know what all Israel. he is he just does a lot yeah. um <laughs> but man we met you know Alex you'll sit down with him and a few you know be a few guys you got your bibles out and yeah. you're just hashing back and forth and he'll bring up a point kind of like what we're doing right now. Yeah. And then, and then he'll say something and you're like, Oh man. And let me add on to that. Yeah. And then he's like, Oh man, buttering up the crab. You know, he's yeah. getting all into it. Cause what are you doing, man? You're, you're making it more flavorful, more yeah. rich, more, you're feasting the soul on something. Yeah. So, uh, so much substance, yeah. and, and man, it's, it's good.
0: It is. It is. Um, and it's about like, like you said, delighting yeah, in his word. Absolutely, delighting man. in his word. You absolutely. gotta find joy, yeah. you know? Maybe in the beginning, you're like, man, this is boring, but it got to get to a point where, no, it's not boring. Yeah. That can't be an excuse. Yeah. It cannot be. It can at first. Nobody comes drawn. I know I, I know there's readers out there that mm. love to read and find joy in it, but majority don't. Yeah. And that, sure... Let it be your excuse in the beginning, but it cannot stay as your excuse. Well, man, if you want
1: to start somewhere, man, start with good biblical preachers, right? Learn learn how they expound a passage through a sermon. Somebody who's expositional like D.A. Carson, Tim Keller, Paul Washer, John MacArthur, like any of those guys— uh, and, and listen to them and how they teach and how they expound a passage yeah. and then start applying it for yourself. Right. Yeah. So many people are like, well, I got to read six chapters. I'm like, no, maybe start out with reading one paragraph yeah. and drawing out the meat from that Get thing, it out. you know, Get yeah, out. what man. it means.
0: Start up finding ways to apply it to your yeah. life. That's what, that's also what it is. It's about reading it and being doers of mm-hmm. his word, yeah, applying yeah, it to your life.
1: Can't be hearers only, man. Nope. So and that so anyway that's personal yeah. right <laughs> how you like that uh, that's the personal <laughs> side of it uh, but then to teach doctrine and this is where it all also comes in because as we were mentioned a minute ago I man if you love Jesus you're gonna feed the sheep you may not be a pastor you may not be a preacher but you're you're always you're yeah. always filling yourself with the Word and sharing it and so Paul tells Timothy First uh, Timothy four thirteen he says until I come devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture yeah to exhortation and to teaching. Right, and there's yeah. another spot where I can't find it, but I'm fairly confident, unless I'm just making things up, yeah. that Paul even tells either Timothy or Titus to be making a habit of that daily. Yeah, right. To be daily exhorting and daily teaching the scriptures, yeah. and 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 why? I mean, think about Hebrews three thirteen. We should encourage one another daily, as long as it's or we should re- encourage one another every day as long as it's called today, so that no one's heart is hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. What is sin? Sin is the lies and the contrary misbeliefs about who God is. And so if we want to fight that, we need to encourage one another in the truth of scripture so that we know, right? So that our hearts aren't hardened by sin.
0: And I want to use that example to kind of bring it back to doctrine. But like, for example, some a popular question people ask themselves, how do I sin less? Like, mm-hmm. How do I sin less? Right. Well, what you got to do is you got to live more in the Spirit so that it doesn't leave room for living yeah. in sin. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, well, how do I you know, teach more? How do I read the Word more? Okay, spend more time in the Word, and you're going to see that that just naturally happens. You yeah. know what I mean? And I like, I like how it says here. It says, until I come, to de- devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, comma, to exhortation, comma mm-hmm. to teaching, all those are individually necessary. Yeah. I never realized that until the other day. I was at work, and I think somebody mentioned this playing around. You know, me being a someone who's passionate about the Lord. People joke around with me. Hey, you got your Bible? and you are gonna give us a lesson? So like that. I was like, Hey, bro, chill out. I'll give you a lesson if you need me to. Right, <laughs> right? right. But they were joking around with me at work. It's like, Hey, you're gonna read. A, we were on our 15 minute break, and like, you're gonna read a, a, a chapter for us. And I was just joking with them back. Like, yeah, dude, bring out your Bibles. And they brought out their phones, and they w- went into the Bible app, and I, and I looked at them like, you guys being for real? Like, are y'all serious? And they're like, yeah, like, let's, let's just read a chapter. So we literally just read it. Ch- I didn't uh, teach. Nice, I didn't teach. Yeah. I didn't explore. I, I just publicly read the scripture, yeah. and it was so uh, beneficial so fruitful to their lives, even yeah. to my life i didn't drain myself teaching them i was able to accept the word of god as well we read um colossians 1 mm, such a beautiful man, chapter that's it such is. an encouraging so chapter. much richness in that chapter yeah. and it's very encouraging yeah. i love how encouraging it is, hey be confident yeah. keep going you know what yeah. i mean and it really motivated a lot of my co-workers yeah to, they, they loved it they want to do it every friday now and i mean all nice. i did was publicly read the scripture yeah you know what i mean man that's powerful yeah it was awesome good
1: stuff. All right, well, that brings us to our next point, man. Yeah. And so this is our closing point, yeah. but it's going to have quite a few points in that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is really kind of, again, where Storehouse Media sits, right, is the usefulness of doctrine. It is not dead. Doctrine is doctrine is applicable. It yeah. is life-changing. It is all these things. So doctrine is so useful. And so uh, we see the first one and, and probably most obvious and we've even referenced it several times second timothy 3 16 and 17. all scripture is breathed out by god and profitable for what teaching reproof correction and for training in righteousness how do you not want to sin how do you want to live a more righteous yeah. life by the scriptures right and and then he says that the man of god may be complete equipped for every good yep. work what is it what does it take for us to be uh, taught to to have reproof in our life, to have correction in our life, to be trained in righteousness. What do we need in order to be complete and equipped for every good work? We need the scriptures. Yeah. We need doctrine, right? And so you cannot, man. When you get, I hear about people who want to abandon this idea of doctrine. Yeah. Uh, to you know, and I remember uh, I think it was Creflo Dollar a long time ago stated, you know. I, why do we need to hear about a, a man who died on a cross two thousand years ago when we need to know how to pay our our rent this month? And I'm mm. like, are you kidding, man? I could I could take away the stress of you having to pay rent this month yeah. by showing you something so much bigger and greater. You know what yes. I mean? Yes. And
0: it, that's the you mentioned it earlier. You know, people think that this is new stuff. Yeah. In the time of when Jesus died on the cross, people were having to oh, pay for rent. Yeah. They had yeah. the stress of having a job. Yeah. It's not like everybody was just wandering lost and Jesus came out of nowhere and all of a sudden we got jobs. Yeah. All of a sudden we have society all. No, that's always existed even yeah. before Jesus. Yeah. Jesus came in the midst of that in the midst and of we are all. to
1: continue in the midst of that. And even look at, I mean, look at what he says, right? Matthew chapter six, man, this is like when, when, when you talk about the anxieties of life and all the various oh, things, yes, Matthew man, six. Jesus starts to teach us on it. And what does he tell us to do? If you, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's yeah. a long passage, but if you start in verse 25, he starts by But don't be anxious about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, how you're going to clothe yourself. Look at the birds, man. There's some doctrine for you. Look at creation, yeah, and notice how God feeds the birds. They're not storing up for themselves. They don't work for it, right? Look at the lilies that are just sitting there in a field. Grow. They do literally nothing (laughs) to exist, right? They're they're parasites almost in a weird way, you know. But God's not not only causing them to grow and to live, but He's dressing them beautifully, yeah. And then He brings it in, and so Jesus sums it up. With, with really a doctrine statement, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you, right? You need to know what to do and what do you need to do? You need to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Well, how do you do that? It's, it's shown and taught clearly through the word.
0: And what did we just use right now? scripture the scripture oh man and to remove you, anxiety when you have your eyes set on what the word says like for example that then the troubles of this world they yeah. mean nothing yeah you know what i mean and another example is romans 8 18 it says for i consider that the sufferings of this present time are not, not worth yeah. comparing yeah. with the glory that will be revealed to us mm-hmm. later when you have your eyes set on what really matters and it depends on the person what matters to them? Sure. What they have. Are you nearsighted? Or are you farsighted? Because people of this world are worried about their present time. Mm-hmm. But then you'll meet people of this world that are, are actually concerned how they're going to live 60 years from now. Yeah. So they get a good job, they get a good education. Yep. And then there are those of us who are even concerned, even past our life, yep. the future glory that will be revealed to us. So then, what's. Up in front of us, it doesn't matter. We're going 60 miles per hour, 80 miles per hour. I speed sometimes on the road, so I'll be going 90 miles per hour. I'm going for Jesus, and the things that are in my way, it just does not matter to me because I have my eyes set on that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So when you have your eyes set on that and what helps you expand your vision even further and further off to eternity to what what will be revealed to you later is all guided by Scripture. Scripture helps you be looking forward so much to what's good then you won't be troubled by yeah. hey i have to pay rent i'm not gonna be able to go to church this sunday because i got to work get more hours yeah. so that i can keep my house so i can keep my car don't worry about it put god first seek the kingdom first and everything else will be added yeah, you got to live with that confidence and that hope
1: absolutely um regarding the word yeah uh, the ever famous for those who are or uh think there's a demon hiding around every corner man the ever famous uh armor of god in ephesians 6 right yeah. what one of the things mentioned in ephesians six seventeen is the sword of the spirit yeah. which is the word of god and yeah. and so in order to to stand firm against all the wiles and temptations of satan and yeah. sin and the deception and all of it we have to have the word of god it's the one defensive weapon that we have inside yeah. the armor right is that sword yeah and so the Word of God is essential but it, it goes beyond that go to Hebrews 4 12 man this one rattled my cage the first time I read it for the Word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart that end part right there and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So many people, this is where a lot of people fall short on Bible reading, right? Yeah. They're reading to, to check it off their list to say, I did my reading today. Oh yeah. Look at what scripture's intended to do, right? The word of God that's living and active, it is intended to be discerning the thoughts and intentions of your heart. Yeah. And that's where meditation comes in. If you're not taking that word and letting the light of it shine down into the deepest part of your being, right? And exposing your idolatry, exposing your adultery, exposing your sin, right? And then leading you into life and truth. Yeah, man, you want to feel alive when you're reading scripture. Let it discern the thoughts and intentions of your heart.
0: Yeah, I agree. And it, checking off re- bible reading is something that is so easy to do yeah absolutely so easy to do when you know you have a commitment from the lord to read the word you're like okay i gotta do it mm-hmm. and it will be the most unfruitful experience you ever have when yeah. you just do it just to check off yeah and it you're dragging through it you're waiting you're kind of flipping the page seeing is this a long chapter or right. is it not a long chapter yeah. when it when you when you delight in it You're looking at how many chapters can I read today? You know what I mean? It's like you become so joyful of it. And I like how it says right here that the word is living and it's active. We talked about that. Like the word is as if it was written a a few weeks ago. I'm like, dude, this is so relatable today. Like it's crazy that this was written 2000 years ago. And the next part says right here, um, it is sharper than any two edged sword. And the thing is, The sword is both an offensive and a defensive weapon, but it was never designed to be used. I'm not saying the sword. I'm saying the word was never designed to be an offensive weapon, but rather a defensive weapon. Mm -hmm. Uh, Matthew chapter four, when Jesus was tempted three times in the wilderness, it was a defensive weapon. He used word. And you know, another way to sin less, it says right here in Psalms 119. um, Israel's throwing up fingers. Is it? Uh, I know it's in this thing, but it basically says, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Am I in the right chapter? 119,
1: yeah. 119? I know the verse. Yeah. I know of it. I just don't know the exact verse. Yeah, reference. exactly.
0: So that's basically what it says. Like I have hidden and not hidden as is. I'm trying to like get rid of it. No, I have right. Stored it up. The reason why I said hidden is because when we have something that's valuable or we something that is a treasure, mm-hmm. we hide it away to in a place where like I can always come back to this place yeah. to get this thing that's so valuable to yeah. me. We hide it in our heart. Our heart, our heart is a treasure chest. Yeah. What are we filling it with? Well, and you know, even with that, man, think about i like
1: i'm in the gospels right now i think i just yeah. i'm like a few chapters into luke at this point yeah um i'm underlining yeah as i'm reading i'm underlining every single part where jesus says haven't you read yeah right when he's talking yes. to the disciples of pharisees he expected them <laughs> to yes. know scripture yes he when he teaches people he expects them to already know scripture to know the old testament yeah and so he's going man have you not read what is and the word it, what does the law say right, what does right, God say man I love it yeah. I'm on it I right? never thought of that but it yeah. does
0: always say that and then not only that it's like what does the word say and they, they answer correctly yeah. then he says then do it yeah then do it yeah you know and, and a lot of people there are a lot of bible knowing Christians that don't, don't do don't live anything that don't yeah. live anything straight out, up man you know
1: um, and that brings us to our next point, man, because yeah. we're on it, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got some good transitions that are not intentional. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Matthew 7, 21 through 27. And I, the, the first couple of verses are, are the scary ones, right? Yeah. Uh, the first couple of verses, it says that not everyone who says to me on that day, Lord, Lord, will enter yeah. the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who's yeah. in heaven. Many will come to me on that day saying, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Many miraculous works in your name. Yeah. And I'll say to them, I never knew you. I, I can go on me. and on about Man, that. For oh days, goodness, right? Yeah. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. But then as he as he starts closing the Sermon on the Mount, yeah. What does he move to? He moves to teaching. Yeah. It, it, the man who builds his house on the rock is you know yeah. he's the one that hears my teachings and obeys and practices them. Practices it, yep. Right in Matthew seven twenty one, it's not those who just say Lord, Lord, but yeah. those who do the will of my Father in heaven. Yeah. What's the will of the Father? Man, listen, I'm gonna I want to say this as close as mic as possible. It is not secret, right? <laughs> Deuteronomy Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine. The secret things belong to the Lord, but yeah. the things that are revealed belong to us. And to our children that we may obey them. In other words, that which has been written in this book that we call the Bible, that is the revealed will of God. And that's your business. Anything that you don't know, what job should I take? What wife should I marry? Whatever. That's not your business. That's up to God. The secret things belong to him. But that which is revealed, which has been written to us, that belongs to us, that we obey. And so in Matthew 7, 21 through 27, how do we know the will of God? Read the book of God. Yeah. Read the words of God. Know the will and obey. Yeah. Man, I get like this is the thing that, and I tell people that, and they're like,
0: "Yeah," but I'm like, "No, no, stop, no, hold on, listen right? to this yes. first, man." Yeah. And you know, crazy. I like how you said. You said. You said. Well, what is the will of the Father? You said. It is not a secret. Mm. It, and I would even add the word anymore. Right. Because yes. Jesus came to reveal it yeah. to us. Paul says it so many times in his letters. It has been the mysteries of heaven, the mysteries of the will of the Father have been revealed to you guys. Yeah. What does revealed mean is that we can see it. Mm-hmm. And you want to know what the will of the Father is? It says right here in Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behaviors and the custom of this world, mm. but let God transform you into a new person yep. and some people are like oh no you got to become a better person no no no, no. a new, new person by changing the way you think you must be born again must be born again it says then you will learn to know god's will for you mm-hmm. which is good and pleasing and perfect yeah
1: absolutely man well that so on especially with the topic of born again the yeah. new person that brings us to the last point yeah second timothy 3 15 right before the 16 and 17 yeah And how, speaking of Timothy, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, that is the scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, here's what I promise you right now. You go to you go to Romans chapter I feel like I'm actually talking to the mic right yeah. now you know like I'm like <laughs> listen ah. dude Yeah <laughs> uh, you go to like Romans 3:19 and 20 man yeah. Paul's going to be clear about the purpose of the law and that the purpose of the law was not given so that we'd be justified right It'd be given Right it'd be given so that we knew that we're sinners Yep you, you read that you read the scriptures you're going to see that you fall short yeah. Right. You're going to see that God has a standard of perfection and you don't match it. Yeah. But you're also, it's going to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. In yeah. other words, your righteousness, your justification, your salvation, it doesn't come through obedience. It comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Salvation is by yes. grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, yes. to the glory of God alone. Yep. Right? And so when we get to that point, you've got you've got salvation coming by faith in Jesus Christ. And so as it condemns us, as the law weighs down and pushes, it shows us Christ crucified, right? Think about yes. uh I'm gonna turn to it because I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher it and it's too important for me, right? Yeah. Uh 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, uh toward the beginning of the chapter. Um let me see. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified now this is peculiar right because yeah. paul went to the corinthian church to preach to them and at this time first corinthians they consider to be the first book of the new testament written which means yeah. there was no new testament to preach from yeah paul had nothing but the old testament yeah and it says that he couldn't preach to them anything except christ and him crucified why yes. because as you see on the road to emmaus in luke 24 what does Jesus do with the disciples? He shows them how the law and the prophets were all pointing toward him.
0: Yes. Right? Yeah. And so
1: it makes us wise to salvation because it shows us that it's not about us. Yeah. It shows us that we're sinful, that we're yeah. depraved, that we're broken, that like we were talking about earlier, like on your shirt. Yeah. No, not one. Right? None are righteous. No one seeks God. and But... Like we talked earlier, Romans one eighteen, that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness yeah. and ungodliness of men who, what? Suppress the truth of God with their unrighteousness. Yeah. Well, we all do that. Yeah. Right? All of us do that. Yeah. And so what we find is then later in Romans 3.25. It says,
0: but. Yes.
1: But righteousness comes by faith in Jesus Christ. Yes. How? Because the wrath of God was poured out on the head of Christ. Romans 3.25, God made him a propitiation in appeasement. an appeasement for what? That wrath that's been revealed from heaven against our sin. Yes, But that appeasement is only applied to those who have faith in his blood.
0: I think that you guys are going to hear us talk about Romans a lot. Oh, (laughs) man. And I just love that because like that wrath of God didn't just disappear. Mm. You know, that wrath of God, every sin must go paid. Yes. You know, and that wrath of God, either by submitting, if you have faith in Christ Jesus and you submit to the will of the Father, that wrath and the consequence of our sin fell on Jesus on the cross. He felt the but whole if penalty you, of it, if man. you reject it, You're gonna have to pay for it. Yeah, you know, and people have a twisted idea of the law, and they're like, "Oh, we don't listen to the law. We're in the New Testament, Uh, like that." No, no, no. The law is an active part of our faith because it actively shows us we cannot do it. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people think that the law was given just to give rule books to the Jewish, and because they came out of the Egyptian uh, Egypt, and there was a lot of customs and norms that they didn't, God didn't want them to do. The law was a terms and conditions, like you know how, how when you're signing up for something check that you've read the terms and conditions yeah. we check it without even reading it yeah you know what i mean the law is a terms and conditions of saying of god saying follow all of this and you can have a relationship with me mm. that's the law is god saying follow every single thing and you can have a relationship with me james says that if you break one law you have broken it all right. therefore it has shown us that there is a way to the father through the law by being perfect but since we cannot it was Mm. proved to us we cannot do it on our own therefore the law actively plays a part in our lives to remind us if it were not for jesus I need to follow this. And yeah, I can't. Yeah. You just cannot. It comes
1: crushing in, man. You can't. Yeah.
0: And so the law plays a factor. Jesus said, Jesus said, I have not come to nullify the law, but to fulfill it, yeah. to show us there was someone who could fulfill the Absolutely. law. And he died on that cross for us yeah. so we could have faith in him and be made right, be made righteous in the sight of God. Not yeah. perfect, but made righteous only through mm. Christ Jesus. Yeah. That's what the law and that's plays.
1: Hebrews 10, 14, by yeah. one sacrifice, he's forever perfected those who yeah. are being made godly. Right. Yeah. So in this life, there's this big term that Luther used, and I, I don't know it because yeah. he's far smarter than I am. But Luther would say that essentially that in in the sight of God, fully justified, fully perfect, yet yeah. while still sinners. Yes. Right. And so it's bizarre that in this life, we're still living with the presence of sin. Uh, and it's, it's still corrupting and hindering and, yeah. and dimming yet before God seen as perfectly righteous because he made him who knew no sin to yes. be sin on our behalf. Right. Yep. So man, that just got me excited because I love the gospel. Yeah. Um, and that's, I would say that's kind of where we close it out. Yeah. Um, and just as a, as a heads up, man, everywhere we go, the gospel will always be presented because that is the, the center yeah. and the foundation of all things. Um, and I just don't know how you can preach the word without preaching the gospel. And yeah. so, um,
0: I'd say what is the gospel you know if we're talking about the genres, it's Matthew, Matthew through John, mm. but the gospel starts in Genesis yeah. and ends oh, Revelation. Man, that is the gospel. We have That's to know.
1: One thing we should definitely hit in some podcasts is yeah. typologies, man. Looking yes. at looking at the Old Testament gospel
0: presented through signs and symbols yes. and types. And yes. I love that stuff, man. Gospel is presented through Adam. I mean Yeah, absolutely. What, what chapter of Romans is it that says that that through one man sent into Romans five. The, Romans five yep. through one man sin into the world, showing the power that that mm-hmm. One man could hold, and if yep. it could bring death to the world, look at Jesus, who through one man God could bring salvation, bring life, yeah, bring life and to And even, this world. even
1: look at if you so if you go to that when I mean, we're going way off topic, I'm down. <laughs> uh, if you go if you think about it, um, in that saying, so it's, it starts at Romans 5, starting in verse 12. Yeah, he'll go through that and then he'll explain about Adam, he'll say that he was a type, it's verse uh, 14, that he was a type of the one who was to yes. come, right? Adam was a type it yep. was gospel shadow. from the beginning mm-hmm. gospel from always, the beginning always God's intention was never Adam it was never you it was always Jesus Christ
0: and grow, uh, getting into the word before getting into the word I had a sort of idea I never said it but it was kind of just a, an assumption that I had that God changed his mind mm-hmm. that God said oh the law is not working out let me send Jesus instead. Right. he said no but from the very beginning I mean yep. uh, Genesis what was it, 315? Oh, yeah, the promise of the Redeemer. The yeah. promise of the Redeemer yeah. from the very beginning of creation, the gospel was mm-hmm. the intention. It's what
1: they call the proto-evangelium, yeah. which is the the first gospel, which was uh, yeah. Genesis 315, man, that he would come and crush the head of the serpent. And that's what you see. 1 John 3, uh, 8, the Son of God appeared what? To destroy the works of the devil. Yeah. How? He crushed the head of the serpent on the cross. Yeah. And so... I, we can't, I mean, you know, it's funny, you and I haven't actually talked about this yet. Like when we talked last week, we didn't talk about this, but we're, we're eye to eye on it, right? You can't preach scripture without preaching Christ crucified. Yeah. And so that's, that's, I'm glad we're, I'm glad yeah. we're on that same page. I mean, I
0: got, I, I teach a Bible study every Sunday and what I always do, even if we're on a topic, if we're in a specific chapter, I'm like, gospel's got to be presented yeah. every single time. Even if it's something that you would say, okay, isn't specifically the, the the gospel. Like if it's talking about sexual immorality, you know, where's the gospel in that? No, you always bring the gospel. Mm-hmm. You, you always a way to bring it back to Jesus dying on that cross, resurrecting so that we could have life through him. Yeah. Straight that's up, what man. it should always, and that's what we're gonna do with these podcasts. Always yeah. bring it back to the podcast. Yeah, always, I mean, podcast <laughs> to, the, to the gospel, <laughs> and then you bring it back to the podcast because yeah. the gospel's in it, yes, right? Yes, like that's <laughs> what
1: it's all about. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, man. So I'm, I'm, I feel good. Uh, yeah. if You feel good. We can close it here, and then we'll pick up next week, man. Yeah, we'll, I said we yeah. close with prayer if you want. Yeah, don't, absolutely. You, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll pray. Let's pray. Go for out. it, man. Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord, and how life-giving it is to to sit around and converse and hash out and 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 exposit your Word and and all the the beauties of it and all the intricacies and all the amazing riches, Lord. Your your Word, you you told us in a parable that that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field that when a man finds it. He buries it again, and with great joy, he goes and sells everything that he owns so he can buy that field, Lord. And, and when we find your kingdom, we also find your word, and it becomes such a great joy and such a treasure for us, Father. And so I, I thank you that that we have this opportunity to expound on it, that we have the resources, uh, the people, everything, Lord. And I pray that through this work, Father, through this conversation that we've got to have, that you would bless souls through the truth of the gospel, that you would bring new life to hearts, that you would write your laws on their hearts and minds. Father, I pray, Lord, I pray that Jesus Christ would be glorified. Amen. Through the regeneration of of sinners, right? Through the salvation of sinners, I pray that you would do that. Um, Father, so let it be for your name's sake. Amen.
0: Amen. All right. Well, yeah. Until next time.
1: Until next time. Thank you so much for listening. We hope this podcast has served as a blessing to you. If you want to contact us or want more information, visit our website at storehousemedia.org or follow us on all social media platforms at Storehouse Media. Until next time, grace and peace.